your favorite cartoon characters will help you understand how drugs and alcohol can ruin your life. So watch the program. Talk about it with your family. Presentation with Mike and Ethan, or Elf will not be seen tonight. We are taking a trip now, not just down under, but to the Far East, what they used to call the mysterious Far East. Some, some to the point where it's considered a little rude to describe somebody as inscrutable because that used to be a very racially charged word. So, yep. but the fact is that some, some of the things that we looked at. Um, I was having trouble scruting, so, (laughs) so, but we are beginning our look, our month long look at Japanese movies based on Japanese comics, based on Japanese comic strips, that is, with one of, I guess you'd call this a, some of the only prestige media dressed based on a comic strip. At least until we get around to watching the life and death of Colonel Blimp. So you're telling me that um, they actually have comic strips in Japan? Uh, you might you might not know this, but yes, Japan likes comics a lot. Um, and now I have... you might have also heard that they're sometimes very adult in nature. That's not necessarily the case so much as that people just have a more adult attitude toward comics, which, as in, they don't see comics and go, hey, those are for kids. <laughs> um, my, my knowledge of Japanese comics is, is uh, pretty scant. Um, I'm aware of uh, manga. Uh, you know, that's a thing. But this is specifically like a newspaper comic strip. So this is different. Yes. This is a... Yes, this... This is a newspaper comic strip, which is often referred to as a yonkoma, a four comic, because it comes in four panels. And usually the the panels are setup, situation, twist, re- re- reveal. So it's sort of like, you know, the, you know, the the promise and then the prestige and so forth. OK, so the format but, is very similar to a lot of American comic strips, it sounds like. Yes, it's. Of course, because Japanese is read from left to right, right to left and top down, they tend to uh, take up a different space in the uh, on the the newspaper page. One that I think might actually lend itself better to actually including comics as part of your part of your daily newspaper visit. But the fact is that newspapers have not traditionally been a major place for Japanese comics to flourish because there are so many magazines and stuff that are just dedicated to comics because they know what they're fucking doing. <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, uh, I remember hearing they've got lots of uh, lots of magazines all about comics there. We don't have that so much oh, in yes. the States. I mean, not really. There was a brief attempt to bring one of the best known ones to the United States, the magazine Shonen Jump, which uh, which it lasted for about five years in the U.S. And it was it was really great for about five bucks. You could get about 300 pages of comics. That's a lot of comics. And that is a lot of comics. And, you know, because it was so so cheap you could just read the one thing that you bought it for or you could read all of them and uh, then they hooked you they're like yeah now you're a fan of naruto i didn't become a fan of naruto were these uh, shonen comics then i'm guessing or yes they are shonen comics are young boys comics the uh, so shonen jump included uh, some of the best known ones like like dragon ball and one piece and uh, naruto bleach and even some things that people might be less familiar with like sandland hmm Wait a minute. So, sorry. Um, again, I'm not too familiar with with uh, the the comics of Japan. So, shonen. When you say boys' comics, these are comics for boys. Yes, not not necessarily comics by boys. They're uh, shonen and shoujo, which are girls' comics, can be made by anyone. Okay, so these are not bishonen comics. 
These are no okay. that Bishonen. That's like that's pretty boys. That's a whole different thing. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, now the I B understand. is for beautiful. Ah, well, now I understand everything about comics in Japan. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> not really. I mean, again, it's like I know that they have. It's like when I hear Japanese comics, I'm like, okay, there's like they have Yuri and Gaoi and Hentai, and that's about all I know. So, yeah. Um, if it's not fun, and if you want a, mm-hmm. and if you want a big, and if you want a big manga, you ask for a big manga. Oh, really? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the big manga. I was like, I don't want the- <laughs> a big, big biru. Oh, hey, Dave Barry. <laughs> I remember that. Um, yeah, it's like I'm, <laughs> I'm a big robot. I want a big manga. Um, <laughs> So what a lot about... of big robots too. Oh yeah, that's true. They have a lot of big. They do like the big robots over there. Um, I've now, heard the... that it's. Uh... Mm-hmm. Oh, go on. I was going to say. So this this comic though that we're that we're talking about today, my neighbors the Yamotos. Um, mm-hmm. My neighbors the Yamadas, y- a movie produced by Studio Ghibli, who is probably the best known Japanese animation. Uh, studio out in the rest of the world widely regarded as the uh the japanese disney pixar yeah um so this is a comic strip which has no robots in it and in fact um i'd say is very similar to the kind of comic strip you could expect to see in an american newspaper which is it's about a family doing family stuff it's it would certainly come across to me as a serial piece comic for the most part (laughs) Yeah. Now, have you read the comic strip? I was looking for one and, you know, it's sort of it was sort of difficult because, you know, because it's a Japanese comic and it's not very well known in uh, the United States. There's not there wasn't a lot to, you know, most of it couldn't really be translated because it was like, you know, based on Japanese wordplay and stuff or things that we would have no other explanation for. But I found this one strip that you don't need to actually be able to read Japanese to understand. Mm-hmm. And except that you. So here it is. And under, remember, you read top down and right to left. All right, so let's... stop and start in the top right corner. So top down, right to left. All right. So let me mm-hmm. see if I can figure this out. Um, OK, so uh, what the fuck? I take back what I said about this being very much like an American strip. This is okay. So as far as I can tell, what happens is the Yamotas, Yamotas, Yamadas, Uh, Yamadas, the Yamadas are driving along behind a hearse, but the door of the hearse falls open and a coffin falls out and spills a a corpse on the windshield of the Yamada's car, um, <laughs> yes. which then causes them to. Well, I mean, that's kind of the punchline, isn't it? That a, that a corpse is plastered yeah. against their windshield. <laughs> um, not something I would expect in an American comic strip. Certainly not. I mean, can you imagine this happened to Blondie and Dagwood? <laughs> I would certainly, you know what? I feel like if this happened in Blondie, this would be something that would be discovered like 20 or 30 years down the road. Hipsters would, would be talking about it on whatever <laughs> Tumblr exists at, at that time period. Yes. The way that hipsters today are talking about that series of Garfield strips where Garfield yeah. goes insane. <laughs> um, yeah, this would be the, this would be the, uh, the my neighbors the the no the the blondie equivalent of uh, you are going to give birth to a fine healthy litter of puppies yeah yeah uh this, this is pretty uh this is pretty wild um what i do <laughs> i mean what i do like about it though is so so i'm noticing that the art style is a little cruder than it is in the movie um just a little bit the movie actually re- recreates this quite well but uh it does but, I, um yeah, Oh, sorry. Go it took on. me a minute to recognize Mr. Yamada, but yeah. Yeah, he looks more like Drew Carey in the comic strip. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's a comic strip, so I I'm not gonna fault it for like, oh, the art isn't like you know isn't like beautiful or anything. Um, it's it's comic strip art. Um, it's just funny. Th- the one thing I'll say is that coffin just looks like uh, like a high school locker. So uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, it's it's fine. It's totally fine. Uh, but um, uh, 
it does look a little bit like oh god what is it rhymes with orange maybe it's it's got a little bit yeah yeah that kind of a, a look to it um the movie i think it does does recreate the look but makes it a little bit softer um yes they they have a lo- everyone's a little less potato like yeah and they do um there's the movie has almost like a um oh god i don't know how to describe it it's it's they have come as like a watercolor. Watercolor? Yeah, watercolor, yes. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to say, I'm going to say this, because, but this is probably just me being like, oh, it's from Japan. They're doing it in their uniquely Japanese way. It does remind me a little bit of the those, those um, I don't know what you'd call that school of, of uh, traditional like Japanese art with the watercolors, where it's like mm. a little sketchy. My first thought is mm-hmm. ukiyo-e. Yeah. That could be, you know, where there are mountains and little trees and there's maybe a crane in it somewhere. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it, it feels like the Japanese version of, of what the Danes call higgy. Yeah. Higgy. Higgy. Yeah. You. So you're, and you're absolutely right. There are, there are whole parts of this, which specifically recreate some famous ones. You might recognize during the wedding fantasy sequence that you see the famous painting of the great wave off Kanagawa about to engulf them on their little boat. Mm. Oh, that's right. That's right. I didn't even, uh, I did not notice that at the time, but yeah, now that you mentioned it, I remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, any, so what should we, uh, anything we should say about the comic strip, our cast of characters in this Okay, our cast of characters, uh, let, let's see. Now, the thing is, this comic strip isn't... It, when this was made, it was it was called My Neighbors, the Yamadas. However, like a couple of years later, the name of the comic changed. Mm-hmm. And and now it is simply called Nono-chan. Oh, what's, what's, not, what's that mean? Oh, the, that's a kid's name, isn't it? Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's it's, it has now been renamed after the daughter, Noriko, which is sort of weird because she's barely in the movie. I, I assume it's not really about her. Hmm, I assume she must have become a bigger player in the comic strip. Yeah, I guess so. That's you know we have the Yamana family, which is which number six, and we have we have the father Takashi, who is you know a Japanese salary man who uh, works at an office and then comes home and drinks sake and then does watches TV in that specific position where you lie on your side and scratch your ass with your free arm. Is that and like, is that like the traditional Japanese uh, television watching posture? It seems to be, I've seen that in so many things. I mean, I mean, I first saw Wario do it, but lots of characters do it. Huh. It must be a reference to something. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so we've also got, uh, there's, there's a mom, um, Yes, Matsuko, who is, you know, they don't go out of their way to make her look pretty. And I kind of appreciate that, that she just, you know, looks like an everyday person. Mm, Yeah, Uh, a lot of Peggy Hill energy here. Yeah. (laughs) And she's she's kind of she's a housewife and she's got some lazy elements to her, which her uh, I think her mother will uh, call her on sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. And ostensibly the star and to begin with is the uh is the elder son noboru he is 13 he's in eighth grade and he's and he's kind of a you know lazy kid but he does really put put in the attempt to uh study and you know work himself to the bone to try and get into a good school Mm, mm. but yes and then there's nanako who is just a kid she's just this this you know always kind of smiling little seven-year-old girl who reminded me a lot of the the uh middle daughter from baby blues the one who's just had this permanent grin plastered to her face the whole time Mm, yeah yeah (laughs) um and she's got she's got big pupils so she's cute big pupils yeah. yeah So she's cute. Um, and then we have the grandma, Shige. Mm-hmm. This is voiced by Tress McNeil doing her doing her mom voice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I was going to say, there's some recognizable voices in this one. Mm-hmm. This is our second movie with Jim Belushi as a dad. Yeah, he was. Uh, what was the other one that Jim Belushi was in? I think it was uh, ba- Bad Baby. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Was he in Baby Blues? 
I don't remember. I don't think he was, though. Okay. For some reason, I thought maybe he was, like, the, the neighbor guy, but probably not. Um, no. I I do... I. I it, it took me a while because when I was watching this, I was like, I know the dad's voice. I've definitely heard that voice before. Um, and I kept thinking it was the voice that did, uh, I forget the character, the guy in uh, Princess Mononoke, you know, the um, mm, probably. Yeah. yeah, not the, uh, you know, the bad guy. And I think actually that's Billy Bob Thornton. So I wasn't correct, but I was convinced <laughs> it was the same guy for a while because they both have very similar kind of kind of like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jim Marvel's Belushi is mouth, kind yeah. of uh, Jim Belushi is, is definitely a dad actor. Um, yes, he is. Uh, He's definitely a dad actor. He is definitely not a replacement for his brother. No, no. Um, he's not. Yeah, because I think like J John Belushi, of course, you know, kind of a um, uh, I don't know how you would describe John Belushi, but Jim Belushi has you know, very different I mean, energy. John Belushi, John Belushi is a John Belushi type. That's where, you know, he is a a trope namer, so to speak. Yeah. Whereas Jim Belushi is a working actor who plays dads. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's ever been an actor who is more dad than Jim Belushi. Um, possibly Bill Pullman. But um, <laughs> but generally, yeah, Jim Belushi is definitely like if you're like, hey, we need a dad to be in this movie, which is probably probably a movie about like a talking dog, you know? Um, yes. <laughs> you know, but we need a dad. Okay. Jim Belushi's our man. Um, which is not to, not to throw shade. He's, he's very good at that role. That's what he was born to play. It's just very funny that he's so different from his brother. Um, yeah. And well, I mean, the four Murray brothers all have very different roles. That's true. I always forget that there's like four of them because, you know, it's like the mm -hmm. Marx brothers where you forget that there's also a Chico and a, and a, and a, what, a Gupo? Guapo? Gummo. Gummo, yeah. Yeah, there's, um, yeah, there's a, we are, everyone remembers Groucho and Harpo and maybe Chico. Everyone forgets Zeppo and Gummo. Yeah, yeah. With the, because uh, with, with the Murray brothers, it's like, okay, there's Bill Murray, whom we all know and love, mm -hmm. and then there's Captain Knuckles, um, and <laughs> then I guess there's some more, but like, I can never remember the others. All four of them were in Scrooge. That was kind of the family star turn. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I always remember, like, yeah, yeah. Was it Brian, Brian Doyle Murray? Brian Doyle Murray. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who? Yeah. Who? If he told me he was Bill Murray's brother, I could kind of see it. But he does. He is very distinct. You know. Yeah. Um, he's a little. He has a permanent George Licker voice that yes. really works for him. Yeah. I mean, you can see why they picked him for Captain Knuckles. He's he's a really good fit, and you know, just uh, honestly, like, I don't know that I, I don't know about in acting. Maybe, maybe Bill Murray is a star in acting, but in voice acting, I think uh, Brian Doyle is, is definitely head and shoulders above his brother. Um, Cause Bill Murray, it's just like, Oh, it's Bill Murray. You know, when you hear him talk, yeah. when you hear him as Garfield, it's like, Hey, it's Bill Murray. It's like, all right. Yeah. They should have gotten Brian Doyle Murray to be the voice of Garfield. Uh, that would be amazing if they had like captain, the captain Knuckles voice for Garfield. <laughs> i mean i think that would that would be a real uh you know that would be a real coup um but yeah, i just imagining garfield saying the lines from scrooge everyone comes to me with excuses why they can't work my back hurts my legs ache. i'm only four <laughs> <laughs> i would uh yeah see you know they're really missing opportunity yeah <laughs> Um, anyway, we've got some other uh, big name voices in this, though, because we already said Tress McNeil is playing the grandma and doing uh -huh. the Tress McNeil grandma voice. Um, Molly but, Shannon is here. Yeah, we've also got uh, Molly Shannon as the mom. And yeah, uh, Molly Shannon, as you know, another working actress. Um, you probably remember her from Saturday Night Live as well as uh, Wet Hot American Summer, I think. Um, and... Uh, how the Grinch Stole Christmas, I, yeah. I guess. Um, Osmosis Jones. Oh, yeah. Oh, and of course. The television remake of the Mirror Music Man. What else can we list from her, her Wikipedia article? Oh, of course. Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. We all remember that one. 
Oh, I think she is the voice of the uh, super hot uh, werewolf mom in uh, Hotel Transylvania, but I might be wrong. Oh, well, you know, uh, I, I feel bad now for making fun of her because that's a real <laughs> that's that's a real. Yeah. Uh, that's a good line. That's a good role. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she was also the she was also the monster in Igor. Oh, OK. I've heard of that movie. Igor is okay. I would recommend you. It's a, it's a good night. I you know it's it obviously it didn't become the next big thing, but yeah, I've I, it's been recommended to me. I've I've heard it's better than it has any right to be. Um, mm-hmm. Now um, we've also got uh, David Ogden Steers as the narrator in this film, and uh, of course uh, he needs no introduction, but you will probably know him from so many things. Um, I mostly remember him as the dad in, uh, you know, um, Better Off Dead. But um, he's been in, I mean, just uh, what he was. He's been in everything, you know. Yeah, Uh, I I did not know that he was uh, that he was the voice of Cogsworth and uh, and that he was actually in. He was actually in another Ghibli movie. He was Kamaji the Boilerman in Spirited Away. Oh, that's right. That's right. and, you know, you, uh, yeah, and of course, uh, he's he's been in lots of stuff. Uh, he was apparently Governor Radcliffe and Wiggins in Pocahontas. So he played not just the villain, but the villain's wacky sidekick. That is some amazing oh, range. Wow. Um, it is, yeah. Um, you know, some of our, uh, you know, o- older um, listeners will probably remember him as uh, Major Charles Emerson uh, Winchester in M.A.S.H., but uh, yeah, but he was in lots of stuff. He was definitely uh, one of those actors who, um, you know, uh, had a had a had a wide ranging career and uh, appeared in two different Star Trek episodes as well. So yeah. um, anyway, uh, and I didn't know until now that he was dead. Huh? Yeah, I think he just passed away fairly recently, actually, just in 2018. 2018, yeah. So within within the decade. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it's interesting that they got because. Um, I don't know. I always think of David Ogden Steers as like a big deal because I, I recognize him from so many things. Um, so it's yeah. weird. So it's weird to see him just as like narrator and that he, he kind of just reads. Are they haikus almost, I guess? Um, yeah. Some of them are, in fact, well-known haiku translated into English. Mm. Yeah. So I always think it's weird when I see someone who I think is a big name doing kind of a small uh, bit like this. Um, but you know what, when you're an actor, you, you, y'all, you're always working. So, yep. Um, I mean, that's, oh shoot. What's his name? Who's the, oh, uh, it's kind of like how Werner Herzog made a brief appearance in another Ghibli movie, the wind rises. Oh, <laughs> I always, you know, it's like, that was a get actually. <laughs> yeah. I always, uh, feel like, um, when I see what's his name, uh, I don't know. I, what's the guy? Oh God. Sean Bean. I think in stuff. Oh yeah. Cause I'm always like seen bond. Yeah. Every time I see him, I'm like, Hey, what are you doing in this movie? You were in Lord of the Rings. Why are you in these other movies? Can't you just retire after doing that one movie? So that's kind of how I always feel about David Hunted steers. But, um, but yeah, I feel like he was a pretty big get for this. Um, mm-hmm. uh, let's see. There's a, a bunch of other additional voices. Um, Billy West is in this as yep. a dude. And yeah, some um, guy. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff Jeff Glenn Bennett, Corey Burton, and there's one additional voice here that I think is incorrect because mm-hmm. we have a credit here for Jeremy Shada, and Jeremy Shada is the voice of Finn from Adventure Time, mm-hmm. but this this uh, was made when he was like eight, so I don't think it's actually him. Huh? Yeah. Unless they unless they dubbed it in later for. No special reason. Yeah, this this dub was made in like 2000, and Jeremy Shada didn't start working to, until 2004. Huh. Okay, so probably not accurate then. Yeah. It might be his older brother, Zach, who was the original voice of Finn. Oh, okay. In the very first, in the pilot. Mm. So, well, but I don't, so we'll see. Well, if Jeremy Shada wants to come on our show, that would be awesome. Clear yeah. this up for us. Otherwise, we're we're just we're saying what Wikipedia's telling us, so don't blame us. Mm-hmm. We're doing a deep. We're really doing a lot of research in this. <laughs> so Yamada 
So uh, My Neighbors the Amadas was the first Ghibli film to not have any cells because that was their that was their concession to trying to create the painterly watercolor look was to uh, do it, do the entire thing on computers. Oh, so this and is a computer. This is a CGI movie. Yes. A CGI movie that was animated in the traditional way to frame by frame. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. Huh. Um, well, I mean, it's it's a it's very effective because you would not I, I did not pick up that this was CGI at all. Um, and in the year uh, in the year of our Lord, what do you say? Two thousand. Nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. Oh, my God. Here in America, CGI movies were what, like Tin Toy at that point? <laughs> uh, Toy Story 2. Toy Story. OK. All right. I guess at that point, things were. I guess Toy Story 2 is pretty. It's held up pretty well, I think, if you watch it. I mean, I mean, understand that because it's just because it's computer generated images, it's not computer rendered images. It's not rendered. It's not like polygons or anything. Mm. You know what the very first t- you know what the very first Saturday morning cartoon to be completely computer generated was? Uh, it wasn't reboot. No. It was Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. What? Yeah, look it up. There are no no cells exist for the second season of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. They went paperless. That well, but it's... they just drew it on computers. Wow. Well, good for the environment. Yeah. That's wow. Well, uh, what a what a world. The future is now. <laughs> the future was then. Yeah. In 1993 or whatever. Damn. Well, um, so the uh, the my neighbors, the Yamadas, um, all done. Yes. By Not to be confused with my neighbor Totoro. Yeah, it's all done. <laughs> now, it's all done by computer. Uh, and that's how they achieve this very kind of painterly watercolor look, which um kind of fits with the uh it's really beautiful yeah 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 it looks really nice um but it's not the only style they use there is a part later in the movie where it adapts a much more realistic style and that surprised me yeah that was kind of um that was an interesting choice because it's it's very brief but very noticeable when it happens um they still do it in the same kind of sketchy style, but like the characters are definitely a lot more uh, realistic. Um, yeah, they they lose the two heads tall look and become much more like it's it's not quite rotoscope, but it looks like it looks like they might have started with rotoscope and then built off of that. Yeah. Um, well, uh, so this is basically there's so. Well, this movie, there isn't really an overarching story to this movie. It's this feels like <clears throat> when we watch peanut specials that are just like a bunch of strips strung together. This feels like what they were trying to do. Yeah, I kept thinking like, oh, was this created originally to be like station bumpers or something? Because um, <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, it's basically like just uh, a series of adventures of the Amada family. And yeah, some bits are longer than others. Um, it's it's I don't know. Like I was watching it. I was like, eh, it's cute. I mean, I wasn't I didn't find most of it particularly funny, but it was it was cute and uh, funny in the way that a comic strip would be where you might get a <laughs> chuckle out of it. Um, yeah. My main complaint was like, did it really need to be two hours long? I mean, yeah, it was pretty long for this style of movie. I feel like, you know, a 20 minute a television special is all you need. Um, was this theatrical, yeah. though? Yes, it was. Huh. It's, however, it should be noted. This was a major underperformer by Ghibli st- standards. Well, um, I can guess why. Um, I feel like it's just it's the sort of thing where I I don't know if I'm going to go to the movie theater. I want something with a little more meat on it, um, mm. you know, but um, but it's cute. I mean, it's definitely very cute. Yeah. It's very Ghibli, you know, it's very, you know, it's but it's very mundane. It's it's very, you know, you do not really get the soaring kind of imagery and it doesn't really leave, leave you with an overarc, you know, with, with a f- it doesn't it doesn't lift you. No. no, it just kind of says you're fine where you are. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, the main, it does sort of have a theme if you, if you go through the whole film and that theme is that like, Hey, family, family is what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's hard to be married, but uh-huh. you know, and that is, uh, it's funny. Cause at the very end, the, the dad gives that big speech. Uh, cause there's a, there's a bit towards the end where they're at, I guess they're at a wedding, aren't they? Yeah. Um, that's kind of what wraps it together is the first thing that we see. One of the first things that we see is a sort of flashback to, uh, to Takasha, Takashi and Matsuka's wedding and how there's an older woman who is giving this long speech about what married life is like. And that's kind of the best part where the, the way it starts out with the bobsled going down the wedding cake. That's mm. great. Yeah. Yeah. That part, it made me feel, it made me think of the first 15 minutes of up. Mm. And, you know, and the first 15 minutes of up are the best part of up. And it's all kind of down from there. <laughs> <laughs> How ironic. Yes. Yeah. But and but with this with this movie, it kind of brings it back together because uh, toward the end, we have a wedding scene for a couple that we've never met. And and now Takashi has to is the one giving a wedding speech and toast. And unfortunately, his uh, wife passed him a shopping list instead of his notes. So he has to wing it. Yes. But he comes up with uh, but he comes up with something pretty inspiring anyway. Yeah. Um, and it's basically just like, you know, sometimes you're married, it's hard and your partner fucks things up, but if it's not intentional, if they don't do it on purpose, you, you gotta forgive them and move forward. And it's like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, being married is hard work. Yeah. Um, that's it true. It really is. And it can be, it can be painful. You know, there can be times when you're, when you really don't feel like, you know, this person understands you at all and you're wondering what you're doing. You know, like, as the old woman said, you wonder how you all ended up in the same boat. Yeah. It's one of those things where you're just like, sometimes you just may at, you may look around and be like, this is not my beautiful wife. This is not my beautiful house. <laughs> my God, how did I get here? You know? Um, and, you know, the water keeps flowing under, just just like when you're in a boat. Um, but, yeah, that that opening bit with the, the boat metaphor, I mean, that's, that's pretty, you know, that that's pretty good it's uh it's yeah you know i like how the boat keeps changing form and became something on tracks as they were as they were rolling down the fields where babies are grown yeah i was like (laughs) you know i was looking at that and i was like you know in america and in european countries they have babies coming from cabbages and in and then we have the japanese legend of momotaro who came out of a peach and uh and the princess who came out of the bamboo and I was like, wow, we just, we just ha- cannot tell children where babies actually come from. We got to say they come from plants. Babies are a kind of plant. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the best we can do. Um, yeah. Uh, it is funny in that opening speech though, where the old woman's basic advice is like, have kids, have them as fast as you can. <laughs> Which is, not usually the best advice, but her advice is because, you know, her reasoning is because having a child will give you both, you know, something, something to stay together for, which is kind of bad advice. Yeah, honestly. I would not recommend. Look, I'm just going to say this. If you're having difficulties in your marriage, I would not recommend being like, let's have a baby. This will solve everything. No. I mean, I, no. no, don't don't do that. I, I know. I don't know. I keep seeing I, I keep meeting people who are who have difficulties in their relationships and they always have some stupid idea about like what's going to fix it like i knew a couple who were having difficulties so they were like let's get married that'll solve it why would you think that why would you ever think such a thing um anyway yeah they were married for about three months and boy i think their parents Uh. were pretty pissed about having to pay for that wedding (laughs) i'll bet anyway um so, uh, yeah, yeah. Do not have kids if you're having trouble, but, uh, I guess it works out for the Yamadas, Yamadas, because yeah. they seem yeah. to stick together. Have, 
have kids because you want kids. And the only reason to want kids is for the experience of parenthood itself. Yeah. You know, child parenthood should be its own reward. And if it isn't for you, then don't have kids. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have kids myself, so maybe you shouldn't take my advice on it, but that's, that's how I, how I look at it. Yeah. Uh, and, same. The, and I don't think there's a shortage of people for whom, be, you know, being a parent is its own reward. I think there's a lot of people who think that way. So I don't think I'm, I think that, I think they'd back me up. Of course they would. They're on my side. What am I saying? You know, it was weird watching this because, you know, um, it made me think about how I, I also am child free. So maybe this whole, this, this film hits a little different for people who actually are parents and have had that experience mm -hmm. and, or, or at least, want to have kids um because watching it it was it was weird watching it and being like huh yeah i guess people do have kids don't they and especially <laughs> when they talk about like oh and this is because the old lady gives that thing where she says when you have kids then you become very close to your own parents because you need them as babysitters and it's kind of <laughs> i was thinking about that and it was like you know it's kind of true because i feel like and i've said this before i'm sure maybe even on the podcast where, you know, when you're an adult and you don't have kids, your parents are kind of insane and weird, you know, because they have because they have no one to displace. Because, you know, if you have kids, suddenly they have grandkids to displace all their empty nest ideas onto, you know, mm -hmm. and when you don't have kids, then it's just they're like, OK, you, my adult child will continue to be my child forever, you know, um, yeah. And that's how it is for me, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things where it's just like I go there and my parents, you know, I love my parents. I love them. But like my mom it was just funny because like uh, I just had a birthday recently and my mom was like gave me like um, a hedgehog toy, which I had from when I was. <laughs> she took one of my my hedgehog plush toys that I had when I was a kid and rewrapped it and gave it to me. And I was like, I was like, oh, this is I was like, this is very sweet. This is a toy that, you know, I liked a lot when I was a kid. And certainly seeing him again, I was like, oh, it's it's nice to see this hedgehog again. I remember this hedgehog. But it was also like, I'm 44 years old, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to be like, mom, I wanted I wanted real, a real present. No, I mean, it was very sweet. It was just funny because I was like, oh, yeah. I remember this hedgehog. Mom, I wanted a real hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm old enough. I could have a real hedgehog. Um, <laughs> I was very into hedgehogs when I was a kid. But um, yeah, yeah. My but anyway, still is. it's just, it was, but that's the sort of thing, like when you are a, a I think we've said this again, when we were, when we were discussing the Garfield um, Christmas special, how that is, yeah. I think that, that very specifically captures the feel of what it is like to go back home when you are a child-free adult. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, th this is a, so my neighbors, the Amadas is a very different vibe and I'm, mm -hmm. and I'm, it's, I'm not, not saying that I watched this and was like, Oh, gross kids, families, fuck this shit. I don't like it. Just saying it's a, <laughs> it's an experience. that is alien to me. And I watched it and I could, I could, I don't know. Like I watched it and I could understand it from the point of view of the kids. Cause I've been in that dynamic. I've been a kid in a family. I had a mom and a dad. Mm -hmm. I still have a mom and a dad, but I've never been a dad myself and mm -hmm. I probably won't be. You've never, you've never been responsible for anyone else. Exactly. So seeing like, Oh, the dad, like I got to go to work and earn money to support my family. I'm like, couldn't be me, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's, it's different, but um, I, I believe most people have kids it's more common to have kids mm -hmm. than not. So this is probably a more universal experience. Um, man, you know, I just realized cause, uh, John is now dating Liz, right? Yeah. So he's, so there is entire, the entire possibility that John could be a dad. Wow. That would, that would be a very interesting change in the Garfield universe. If John and Liz have kids and suddenly Garfield has to compete for John's attention with an actual child. What do you think the bait in Garfield, do you think a baby would grow up? Um, I don't think so. Well, you know what? Yeah. You know what? I think they'd probably do the baby blues thing if they had kids in Garfield. Mm. So they would have like, you know, they'd grow to a certain point and then there would just be jokes about that. Um, but mm -hmm. it would be, I think the best part is if they just did that and, Gar, the, and they had a baby and Garfield was like, 
just came was like I'm, none of this and just sucked out the baby's breath while I was asleep. <laughs> Maybe that keeps happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just do the cat's paw thing. Um, <laughs> I think that was cat's paw, wasn't it? I forget. I don't. I don't cat's paw. I was I trying to remember the about. Stephen King movie with the cat. Oh. Maybe that's that's not what. It, is that what a cat does in in Cat's Paw? I never saw it. But, I mean, when I think of Stephen King and cats, I think of Pet Cemetery. Oh yeah, um, he had a couple of ones with cats because there's Sleepwalkers as well. Oh, hmm. but um, I don't think Stephen King is a cat guy. Um, no, he's got a doll. Well, I know he has a he has a gor- a corgi or something. Yeah. Yes, Molly the Thing of Evil, as he always calls her on uh, on Twitter. Um, yeah. And I remember that uh, I think Molly got uh, lamb chop trending on Twitter when he uh, shared a picture of her. Nice. And she had a lamb chop toy in her in her bed. Oh, that's cute. Well, um, there is a dog in the Amata family as well. I don't know what kind of dog he is, but he's a dog and he's there. Yep. He's barely there. That is that is one of the weirdest things about this is that, yeah, they have the kids and they have a dog, but, uh, you know, Barely anyone says a word to the dog. They don't play with the dog. We don't see the dog get fed or taken for a walk or anything. They just sort of keep him alive in the backyard. And the dog seems not to want anything to do with them either. Yeah, the dog is very much like uh, Snowball in The Simpsons. It's just there. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. Um, but not really. doesn't really play. Maybe the dog is more prominent in the comic strip, but they didn't. I guess they couldn't think of any jokes here in the movie for him. So, yeah. Um, so he's pretty irrelevant. It, it, I keep thinking of the uh, kids in the hall sketch about how every night I come home to a dog for whom I feel nothing. <laughs> maybe maybe I should have named him, but I couldn't think of any name that applied besides small mammal with whom I live a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Mottas don't have a they, they don't have a lot of interactions with their dog. Um, no. Let's see. They do have. Let's see. Um, well, there's a lot of. I guess these are vignettes where mostly wacky yes. things happen, like people are late for school or work. Um, mm-hmm. There there's a couple that are a little more serious, though, because. There's the yeah, the 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 very one of the first big ones is the one where they accidentally leave Nonako at the department store and, and are driving home without her. Yeah. And then someone's like, well, why hasn't she saying anything? Oh, we thought she was with you. Yeah. And then but it turns out, I think their aunt brings her home. Yeah, I think I think she's their neighbor or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she calls her auntie, but I don't think she's a literal, her literal aunt. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was a little confused what was really happening there. Cause, um, cause they, they said like she, cause then when they return to the store, she's gone. And the clerk says she went with someone that she recognized. So I kept thinking like, okay, what's, what's going to be the big reveal? Cause we haven't really met that many other characters yet. So it's probably, it's gotta be someone that we know cause they're setting it up. Like it's a thing. And then it's just, Oh, it's what a neighbor that we haven't met before. Okay, sure. Why not? Um, it, it's fine. It's kind of a, I don't know. It, it's, there isn't much of uh, actual, you know, reveal to it. Mostly it's, it's just about the uh, adults, you know, panicking over the child not being there and Nonako actually showing a lot of uh, showing a lot of maturity and helping another little boy who has gotten separated from his parents get get returned to him to him. Yeah, I thought it was going to turn out that like the, the kid's parents brought her home or something, but that isn't really mm. the case. Um, no, but yeah, Um there is another vignette where like the grandmother is uh, visiting a friend in the hospital and yeah. What was going on with this one? They're, they're just, she's visiting a friend with the hospital and her friend has so much to tell her about, you know, inter hospital employee gossip. Yeah. And then at the end, the grandmother's like, look, why are you here in the hospital? And the friend just starts crying and that's the end of the vignette. And hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah, it's like, so, I mean, I assume that means it's something serious, you know, and, but we don't find out what, yeah. Like I was expecting some sort of little denouement after that, but like, it just cuts to the next bit, which is once again, them being yeah, wacky. It, 
it cuts to the next bit, which doesn't look like it's being wacky because it looks like grandma has collapsed in despair in a dark room. And then mom leans in and says, uh, mom, why are you, why are you reading in a, in a dark room? Oh, I didn't realize it had gotten so dark. Yeah. I was, so I... It's, it kind of, it kind of leads you down the garden path there. Yeah, I was expecting like, oh, okay, it's gonna be a long dark night of the soul thing where she's like thinking about her own mortality now, but not really. Um, there is a bit where where she sees like the what the cherry blossoms bloom and she's all like, how many more times will I see these? And the mom is like, you're only 70 years old. You're, you're not like that. And so the grandmother's like, oh, I guess only 30 more times, which I thought was, was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> especially because I think you know, then, there's, the <laughs> then there's extended just like shot of the mom's face for like almost a full minute as oh, she God. React, takes that in. Um, I mean, that was, that was pretty amusing. So, yeah, there, there's some there's some funny parts in this. This isn't like terrible. It's just no, it's just but it's a different it's a different kind of you know, idiom of humor. It's, it, it comes across as very dry to us. Yes. But there are, you know, I feel like there are major uh, things in the Japanese, the way that's being said that are, that are lost to us, especially because this, this isn't the only version I watched. I also took a look at the original non-dubbed version in in Japanese that is available to watch on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. And some of the jokes were were quite a, were rewritten quite a bit just to fit the the mouth flaps. Oh. So huh. More yeah, more specifically the last joke of the of the movie which is showing what your motto is and her motto was don't overdo it. What? What was so what was her motto in the um <laughs> Uh, the the English language version. Uh, the motto that the teacher gives is "Kesara Sara" to match the song. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, if you're wondering what the kind of uh, sentimentality level is of this movie, this is very much the kind of movie that ends with the entire cast singing "Kesara Sara." Yeah, um, it's cute, and which they do which they do sing in Japanese in the original Japanese version so that's kind of interesting. Oh, interesting. Like, but then I, I was like, "Oh, so they translated it into Jap Oh, wait, it was originally in Spanish, so they translated it to English and then Japanese." <laughs> oh, so they oh, okay, interesting. Um uh, you know, that's it's a good song to close this movie out with. I feel like it is appropriate yes. because this is very much a movie about like, hey, life comes at you. Yeah, deal with it. You know, life comes at you fast. Yeah. yeah, and of course, I'm sure that you are like me and primarily associate the song with, you know, with Ned Flanders bravely going to meet his death at the hands of an asteroid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's a good song. It it works in so many contexts. You know. Um, yep. Uh, and and yeah, it's 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 appropriate for the Amadas. Um, Mm -hmm. My question, though, is uh, so the fact that it's called My Neighbors, the Yamadas implies that this is told from the perspective of a neighbor. We do see a neighbor once. It's the neighbor who overhears mom listening to Wagner or something. He's like, oh, I didn't know the Yamadas were so cultured. And it turns out she just fell asleep before changing the radio station. Yeah. Well, there is the neighbor who's uh, who's got flowers. Oh, Yeah. Uh, so so he's the so might he might be the neighbor. Oh, and there's the other neighbor that that uh, she gave the grandma has had a lifelong rivalry with. Mm. I wonder if she's like, you stay on your side and I'll stay on my side. Yeah. And of course, the uh, the auntie that like rescues the daughter from uh, the, the, the department store might be a neighbor. It's unclear. So we have, be, a, yeah. we have a few possibilities for a narrator, but um yeah, it's it's it remains a mystery which one of them is telling the story of the Amadas. Um, well, I guess David Ogden Stiers is their narrator. Oh, the, so he must be the neighbor. Yeah, there we go. So he's the neighbor. Who, uh, <laughs> the narrator. The narrator. Um, yeah. So. Um, Heidi ho, neighbor Yamada. <laughs> no, my neighbor is the Yamadas. Um, yeah. Um, it's cute. Yeah. There's. Yeah, it's very cute, and I think it's it. This is definitely. 
I feel like this is a cartoon that you watch for the visuals mm. because they are, they are kind of the star of the show, especially, you know, cause you don't get a lot of the really spectacular stuff, but when you do, it stands out. You know, there are so many great images that, uh, you know, are only on the screen for a few seconds. Like, like the part where they're diving into the, diving into the ocean in this submarine with arms. Oh, and yeah, and the and this, and launching themselves out of cannons on a pirate ship. And well, my favorite image is the uh, is when they're sitting on a raft watching a movie about sharks, and like ten sharks come toward them and lift their noses up to watch with them. <laughs> that was that was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that opening sequence is really good, and the uh, and the later sequence. Okay, let's let's talk about the biker sequence. Mm. There's this brief, yeah. The I guess the climax of the story, at least the tensest part, is the part where uh, there's been trouble in the neighborhood with a bunch with a, a bunch of troublemaking kids on bikes who are riding around who are riding around making noise and. Uh, and yelling at people who try to uh, who try to tell them to t- turn it down, and this is the part where it gets a little more realistic, where not just not just the character designs, but even the arts the art style of the uh, the city and the uh, and the environment becomes more realistic. <laughs> and it starts with Grandma Shige putting on her helmet and saying, "I'm going to go talk to them myself," which terrifies her daughter so she manages to talk mr yamada into doing it and that is where it sort of morphs into like you know realism mode and this is you know i really like the tension that it lends to the story here where you know suddenly it feels like you know it doesn't look like a cartoon anymore anything could happen (laughs) yeah it's interesting because it is very it's very brief that they do this it isn't like because basically it's Mr. Yamada kind of going out to confront the bikers and then uh, when the bikers have their headlights trained on him. But as soon as um, uh, like the mom and the grandma come out, it kind of yeah, they come out singing this little kind of night parade song to distract everyone. Yeah. And it... <laughs> then it morphs back into the old style. Yeah. And it's kind of funny to see the see the bikers that were so threatening now just, you know, these blockheaded chibi characters. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's interesting because the the um, um, what what's her what's uh, what's her name Shigi Shige Shige yeah. uh, she gives this whole speech to the lead biker about like instead of like being a punk why don't you try being a hero and using your powers for good and she doesn't like you know I I it's he he I think he kind of is like is like this this woman is this is a crank but like. It's also one of the things where after you hear that speech, it's like, well, I don't have the heart to like be a dick here anymore. Let's just move on, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, she, you know, he, you know, he didn't agree, but he thought about it. And that itself is kind of a uh, success. Yeah. It sounds like he probably doesn't want just like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to have to deal with that crazy old woman anymore. What am I, what am I going to do? Hit her? Let's just go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that is, uh, so yeah, that, that, that sequence, what was, um, the dad was wearing like a hard hat. Yeah. He had this construction helmet that was apparently a gift from a, uh, client at, the, at work. Hmm. Um, we don't know what he really does at work. He's a salary man, I guess that's. Yeah. Um, but yes, that's. I, uh, I tend to agree with uh, Bill Watterson, who said that being specific is always funnier than just a gen- generalities, which is why he made it clear that that uh, Calvin's dad was a patent attorney. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, this one is I don't know. We don't we know that uh, I think Mr. Uh, Yamada is the head of um, division division chief. Yeah, section chief, section something chief. like that. Yes. Um, you know, they say that, you know, if you have a beer belly, they say that's the stomach of a section chief. <laughs> but yeah, we don't know what, what I don't know what a section, what section he's chief of. I don't know that. Uh, yeah, we don't we never learn what he where he works or who his boss is or who the big boss is. And, you know, I assume that since 
since they did something for a construction company, maybe it's architecture or something, but I don't know. It could, you know, they could be like graphic designers. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not like super important, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's um, because the, the emphasis is generally on the home life of the Amadas. And if there's jokes about his job, it's just that he's late to work, you know? Yeah. But, or that he, he's having his wife tear the house apart, looking for something that he had at work the whole time. Yeah. Oops. Or that he left his umbrella at work or that, Hey, I brought my umbrella back. Wait, you didn't take your umbrella. Whose is this? Oops. But yeah. anyway, always with that little, <laughs> little cuckoo noise that reminds me of, uh, Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> yeah uh but anyway um yeah so that's that's my neighbor the Oh, and we have that and we have that brief uh thing after after grandma chases the bikers away where uh dad has this uh brief uh this brief fantasy of being a superhero and chasing uh the bikers who have carried away his uh his wife and mother-in-law oh yeah they call him what the midnight rider yeah, and, and this, this is like a specific a specific character that he's uh, trying. He's being like uh, you know the mask. Some I think it's I think it's Keiko Kamen. I might be wrong. I doesn't. Uh, I think Shiga actually when she's confronting the bikers says you should be like Midnight Rider or the Mask Rider or something. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know who the. I know this is a specific you know homage here, but I couldn't tell you what for because. You know, dis- despite the fact that it's the most that's the aspect of Japanese culture that sells the best here. I haven't read that much uh, uh, action manga. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. Uh, Especially not once from the 60s. Yeah, I, I could not tell you anything on it either. So, you know. But is there is there any major part of it after that one? I don't think there is. Oh, after that comes the wedding speech that wraps it all up. And then we have the uh, scene with everyone flying away on umbrellas. So it really does feel like my neighbor Totoro. <laughs> yeah. Um... And we have this kind of pan over the whole city and everyone's and everyone's singing and dancing together. And I sort of feel like this was their way of squeezing in some fan favorite characters that they didn't have a uh, place for otherwise. Oh, there's what looks like a blind man with an umbrella dancing on the street. (laughs) Oh yeah. There's some, uh, there's some, uh, there's some guy that looks like it's, uh, one of those, like, um, you know, a bank robber also running around in the background. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like when criminals are, are just, uh, join in as part of the crew and some and stuff like this. <laughs> they become when they become part of the uh part of the chorus. <laughs> yeah, there's some uh some like hamburglers running around. Yeah. And yeah, this actually this whole part reminds me a lot of Katamari Damacy, so that's probably probably a major uh influence there. And once again this is this part feels like you know, this kind of feels like they they might have used some uh, computer uh, assistance because you've got the family, you know, this family who looks different between profile and face on shots, you know, like Beavis. Mm. But they are rotating elegantly in place as they fly around each other in, on umbrellas and then fireworks go off in the distance. And I don't know. My first thought was zero. They're trying to hit us. <laughs> um. Yeah, this, this this you're right. This end sequence does seem the way they move a um, little bit of uh, CGI help. Yeah, and in nineteen in 1999, that was probably one of the best ways that you could use CGI if you weren't a dedicated uh, uh, computer computer rendering plant like Pixar. <laughs> you know, there was a time when you know you just didn't see fully. CGI stuff like that. And when you did, it looked absolutely terrible. Like, oh, what was that show? Uh, the New Adventures of Johnny Quest. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, this so this is a, a good use of it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's, 
you know, it's it's a difficult movie to uh, sum up because, you know, it doesn't have an overarching story. It doesn't really have an overarching theme. It doesn't leave you with any kind of, you know, the message or lesson or anything. And, you know, should it? Does a movie have to give everyone the same clear message or, you know, can it just be here's some stuff that happened? Draw your own conclusions. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's I think it's it's totally not everything needs to be, um, you know, tied up in a neat little bow. Um, it's fine. To not have, everything needs to be educational. Yeah, yeah. It's totally fine to have a movie that's a little more rambling. I think I don't think we're used to that sort of thing very much anymore because today all movies are written by algorithm. But, yes. you know, if you look, this at, is very not algorithm. Yeah, I think that is one of the. One of the things that appeals to us about Japanese stuff is that it can be very unpredictable because we're so programmed by the algorithm ourselves. Yeah. And I think if you watch older films, especially comedies, they tend to be a little more meandering and a little more, um, you know, rambling because very often the plot was secondary as opposed to just cramming jokes in. So... Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you watch older films, uh, you know, from the you know 70s and 80s comedy films, they'll be kind of a, a very often a vague plot. But it'll usually be they drew a plot. We'll have a few scenes that don't have anything to do with it, just where jokes happen. And then we'll come back to it towards the end. Um, and this movie yeah, is the only comedies where a plot was really important were farces. Yes, um, exactly. But like a lot of them, not so much. Now, this you know, we have mm-hmm. kind of a theme introduced early on, then a bunch of vignettes, and then we kind of come back to the theme at the end. Um, it's a comedy film, so, you know, we don't really, you know, they're, they're, the plot is not really important. Um, no. But again, it, it usually in this sort of film, uh, brevity is the soul of wit. And um, yeah. and two hours is not an absurd length of time at all for a film it's just yeah. it's a uh, rather long for a film that doesn't have you know where where you don't mm-hmm. you know where, where the payoff is an is, hour and 40 minutes is a little much yes an hour and 20 minutes would have been better i yeah. think i could i think if i went through this because it's vignettes you know there's a lot they could have just cut out shoot yeah yeah i you mean know, it's 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 especially some of the things that you know, since this is an English version that, you know, it would have taken way too much uh, trouble to actually explain. Mm. Mm. Um, well, I mean, I learned a lot about Japan from this. For example, you know, uh, that's true. A, a, a good Japanese breakfast consists of miso soup, seaweed and a fried egg. <laughs> from yesterday. Yeah, I was a little confused by that. <laughs> I was like, okay, I get that the miso soup can be left over, and I get that the seaweed is a leftover, but you fried an egg and didn't eat it? What? Why would you do that? I've, I've, I've never done that. Then again, I've never been a big fan of fried eggs, so... I'm just saying... You know, if, any fried egg you, you make for me, I'll leave over. I mean, if I fry an egg, I eat it right then. I don't feel like, oh, I'll have it tomorrow. Oh, man, I just, I just can't finish this fried egg that I that i made oh it's too much yeah nobody does that where i was like i'm gonna fry seven eggs in advance for uh so i don't have to do them in the morning i'm gonna throw them in the toaster yeah i mean maybe it's like was it just a leftover egg that she decided to fry but then it's not a leftover if it's just an egg that you haven't cooked you know yeah it's still an ingredient at that point um but but you know what i i whatever uh so anyway the point is that's a good japanese breakfast apparently which i didn't know i didn't know that's what they ate for breakfast in japan um yeah because they didn't have the masturbation panic that led them to eat cereal oh that's right (laughs) here in america we had a big problem with jacking off too much so we had to eat we had to invent cereal to keep us from doing that um that, that was our cure for wellness that's the problem with all these millennials nowadays is they're killing the cereal industry and that's why they're all jacking off so much it's they're all jacking off their avocado toast <laughs> now that's a real cl- classic american breakfast what leftover avocados <laughs> yeah with jizz in them <laughs> <laughs> oh boy family well, friendly where podcast. do you think it comes from <laughs> Well, that's why they're such big pits. They they, get, they leave a hole for the jizz to go in. Oh, 
Okay. All right. Anyway, my neighbors, the Amadas, ladies and gentlemen. My neighbors, the Amadas. My neighbors, the aristocrats. <laughs> anyway. I, I would love to think that, you know, maybe, you know, what if they had decided that they wanted to dub dub this movie into English, but they didn't have anything, you know, they were like, this is too boring. Let's just dub it into a, a, a filthy <laughs> a uh, filthy adult movie and try to catch the South Park audience. <laughs> I mean, they probably, they probably, well, you know what? It was the style at the time in 1999. It sure was. Yeah. Uh, now, there are a lot of things that are like that. Like uh, you've probably heard of ghost stories. Mm, I have not actually. What is that? Uh, ghost stories is an anime that uh, was a big flop in Japanese. So they, they were letting the English rights go for next to nothing. So the English people were like, well, what if we just dub it into something, you know, really crude and foul mouth of them that the actual show was not. And so you'll see all of these, uh, all these reaction videos to ghost stories. Like, what is this a real show? <laughs> Cause. <laughs> and the answer is I not can't, quite. I can't name any specifically. I can't name any specifically really funny parts, but uh, they took one character who was very soft-spoken and shy and uh, gave, made all of her dialogue about how she was a fundamentalist Christian and the rest of you were going to hell for hunting ghosts. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Did, uh, so, so uh, have you seen, so as ghost stories, does it hold up? Uh I don't, I think so, but then I'm also a big fan of the uh, English version of Crayon Shinchan that did the same thing. Mm, mm. I have not seen that either. So, mm. well, actually, we we should probably look at uh, Shinchan for the uh, for this, but we'll look at the the actually good movie, the one that does what this movie tried to do in just five minutes. Oh, oh, okay. Well, interesting. Um, something to look forward to. Yep. So. Uh, Kesara, Sara. Whatever will be, will be. Uh, 